the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Current news. Faith Talk 570 WTBN Pinellas Park and 910 WTWD Plant City. It's time for Verse by Verse. Sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. you to notice that this passage is not simply telling us about how to be reconciled to God. It goes beyond that. Paul speaks about not only having information about reconciliation, but he tells us that God communicates this reconciliation to people by the ministry of reconciliation. If we are Christ's followers, then we are also his ambassadors. Today on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve Kreloff will be sharing with us from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 about our ministry of reconciliation. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Verse by Verse is the radio outlet for his practical, easy-to-understand Bible teaching. Just saying that we have a ministry of reconciling people to God is easy. Actually, doing it is often a different matter, though. Some of us are natural witnesses, but many of us get tongue-tied or confused, led off on tangents, and wind up confusing or irritating the people we're hoping to reach. Here's Pastor Steve now with some practical help. Let's open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We want to continue in our study this morning of this wonderful letter and this very wonderful chapter. And I want to read to you about reconciliation. Starting at verse 18, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 18, Paul writes, Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you. On behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. A number of years ago, John Lennon, after the Beatles broke up, recorded a song entitled Give Peace a Chance. But I want you to know giving peace a chance is something mankind has not Done. Someone has calculated that from the year 1496 B.C. to the present time, there have only been about 230 years of peace. That's incredible. In all the history of humanity, 230 years of peace. By nature, man is a warrior. He's a fighter. He's a, he's, he's one who is involved in conflict. And the record of, of mankind reveals that not only do nations war against one another, but families fight amongst themselves, husbands and wives and and children, sisters battling brothers and what we call sibling rivalry. There are racial tensions and school conflicts and even church splits. And so wherever we look, we, we see that 
Man by nature is combative. That's, that's his nature. People have been fighting each other for a long time. But man has been at war with God for even a longer period of time because the early chapters of Genesis reveal that when God created, created Adam and Eve, he created them to live in perfect peace with himself, to be at harmony, have harmony amongst not only themselves but with him and to have fellowship with him. But when Adam sinned, he plunged the whole race, all of his descendants to be, he plunged them into the fall of mankind. And they became, from that point on, enemies of God, warriors against God. That's that's our plight. After Adam and Eve sinned, they ran, they hid themselves from God, and God separated himself from them in the sense that he's holy and they are not, and they moved away from him. They became, man became a rebel warrior. From this point on, mankind's basic need has been to get back to a place where he can have peace with God, where he is brought back and restored to the fellowship that he once enjoyed with the Lord God. The Bible refers to this restoration as reconciliation. It's a big word, and it simply means that there's now a restoration of peace. Harmony has been restored. And the primary place that the Bible addresses man's need and how to be reconciled is the passage we just looked at, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 18 through 21. It's obvious that the theme of this passage is reconciliation. He mentions it several times. And he tells us that God has provided, though man is the one who sinned against God, and man is the one who, who hid himself from God, and man is the one who's been fighting God, God initiated something that would bring man back to himself, and that is the death of Christ. Reconciliation, he tells us in these verses, has been provided for by God through the death of Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice that this passage is not simply telling us about how to be reconciled to God. It goes beyond that. Paul speaks about not only having information about reconciliation, but he tells us that God communicates this reconciliation to people by the ministry of reconciliation. Notice the end of verse 18. He says, and he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Then in verse 19 at the end, he says he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. And then in verse 20, he says we are an ambassador for Christ. An ambassador essentially delivers a message. So this passage is more than than simply telling us uh, God's plan of reconciliation. He's also telling us God's plan to let people like us know how to be reconciled to God. After all, it wouldn't make sense that God just said or God had a plan for reconciliation if he didn't have a way to communicate that with us. And he communicates it with us by entrusting us with the message. Now, we need to know the message and we need to know what to say and how to say it to people. But this passage is really about the ministry of reconciliation, which is essentially proclaiming the gospel as you and I evangelize and witness. When the Apostle Paul was converted... In Acts chapter 9, on the road to Damascus, the Lord not only saved his soul, but he commissioned the apostle Paul. He told a man by the name of Ananias to go and tell Paul that he is a chosen instrument of mine. He will bear my name before the Gentiles and the sons of Israel. In other words, Paul is going to be an ambassador of mine. He's going to be a witness for me. And the apostle Paul didn't take uh, years to start that. He immediately began to evangelize. In Acts chapter 9, verse 20, it says that he went first to the place he was most comfortable with, and that would be the synagogue. 
He went to the synagogue and he preached Christ. And actually, the Apostle Paul uh, began to be obsessed with the message of Jesus Christ. He preached Christ to others. He became a marked man, a man who suffered at the hands of people who really, quite frankly, didn't want to hear about Christ. Acts chapter 9 tells us that when he was in Damascus, he preached Jesus and there was a plot to kill him. So he escaped. He went, he went down to Jerusalem. He started preaching Christ to people and they wanted to kill him. And basically that was Paul's life. That was the pattern of his life. He came into a town, he preached Jesus Christ to the people, and some would be so angry, so incensed, that they would try to kill him. Now, this became a compulsion for the Apostle Paul, to keep preaching Christ. And it was this very compulsion that really is the background of the criticism that at least in part of the criticism that Paul is getting in 2 Corinthians. The background of 2 Corinthians, as I've said many times, is that false teachers had come into this church and they accused Paul of many, many things. They said he's not a real apostle. They said that he doesn't preach the right message. They said that the man was essentially dishonest, that he was a crafty fellow, that he had another personal agenda. He wouldn't keep his word. But one of the things they said is the man is out of his mind. The man is wacko. The man is a religious nut. And that is basically what verse 13 is about. Look at verse 13. And we keep coming back to this because it's so important to understand. For if we are beside ourselves, Paul said, it is for God. If we are of sound mind, it is for you. The word beside ourselves, that phrase means if we are out of our minds. If you think that I'm insane, then understand what I do, I do for God. Now, why did they think Paul was insane? Because the man wouldn't stop preaching the gospel. No matter what people did to him, no matter what persecution he endured, he kept coming back for more. And the false teacher said, we can't understand this. The man continually risks his life about uh, because he's preaching about Jesus. In fact, if you look in chapter 6, just, just a few verses over, he gives us a glimpse of what he endured. In verse 4, he says, But in everything, commending ourselves as servants of God, in much endurance, in afflictions, in hardships, in distresses, in beatings, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in hunger. That was Paul's life. And these false teachers looked at that and said, That's not normal. Nobody who, who keeps coming back for more is in their right mind. He's irrational. And so Paul takes this opportunity in 2 Corinthians 5 from this point on to answer that. And he answers it quite effectively. He says in verse 14 that it is the love of Jesus Christ that compels him. It is is Christ's love for him that motivated him to do this. He says in verse 15 that it's not simply that Jesus loves him, but that he demonstrated his love by the dying for him on the cross. He says in verse 15, he died for all, meaning Christ died For him, he's talking about, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. He said, if you want to understand my life, understand that what motivates me, what drives me to do all these things that I do that don't look very, uh, uh, very sound in mind to you. It's because Jesus loves me so much that I will do anything for him. I no longer live for myself. He has transformed me. He talks about that transformation in verses 16 and 17. He said, I see people differently now. I see Christ so differently now. I understand who he is. I understand the need for people. And in fact, in verse 17, he says, he's changed me completely. I am a new creation in Christ. And anybody who comes to Christ will be made a new creation in Christ. 
Now, Paul says he's completely different. God has changed him. And one of the areas of change is that he now serves not his own self-interest, but he serves Christ. What is it that Jesus wants him to do in terms of service? Very simply, it is carry out the ministry of reconciliation. That's Paul's primary service to Christ. He has been entrusted with a message. He has been entrusted with a commission to tell others about how God has provided a way for them to be reconciled to him. Paul was compelled to do this. He, he had to do this. It drove him. He said in 1 Corinthians 9.16, I am under compulsion for woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Paul said, I can't do anything else. I have to do this even if it ends up that I give my life for this, which is exactly what happened um, many years after this. Now, the reason why this closing section of 2 Corinthians is so important to us is because in this passage, we're not simply reading about Paul. We're reading about the commission God has given us. We are all, we have all been given as believers in Christ the commission to tell others about him. We are an evangelistic people because Jesus, our King, has given us what's called the Great Commission. So we look at this passage and we see this is not only for Paul, this is for us. And let me just show it to you. In verse 18, so you'll know that this is not only about him being an apostle of Christ, but it's for all of us. In verse 18, we read, Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself. Let's stop there for a moment. Who is the us that he is referring to? Can't be only apostles. It isn't that God has just reconciled Paul and a few other men to himself. He's talking about all believers. He's reconciled us, we believers, to himself through Christ, he says. And watch this. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Who would the us be? If he's talking in the first case about us meaning all believers, certainly the very next phrase when he says about us, he means all believers as well. Paul is saying that all of us who have come to know Christ are responsible to tell others about Jesus Christ. So if you have experienced reconciliation, you have come in repentance and faith, trusted Christ as the only Savior, your only hope to go to heaven, and he's forgiven you and you have you, you know him, you've been brought into a, a relationship of peace with him, God has given you the ministry to tell others about him. You may not be in full-time Christian work, but you and I have a commission from the Lord to tell others about Christ. And you need to make sure that what you're telling others is the gospel. Now, this is very important. I, I have found that most Christians do not know how to lead a person to Christ. They know bits and pieces about Jesus, but they really have a problem making a coherent message out of it. It's sort of a, just a smorgasbord. They throw everything together, and other people have a hard time following them. There are many Christians who end up, when they try to witness, getting into a debate with people. It just becomes an argument. They, um, they go off on a tangent. They're on some, some bunny trail over some, something that has no pertinence to the gospel. Or, or it just becomes a defense. They're defending themselves and they don't want to look foolish. And this other person is asking questions. They don't know the answers. So it just becomes a horrible thing. I, in fact, I remember years ago, I was in Italy and uh, some people from the uh, church that we were working with, some Italian believers, were uh, apparently witnessing to someone. I didn't know what was going on because I don't understand the language. Well, that's not true. I know three sentences, but uh, I don't understand what they were saying. But it was a spirited 
conversation. I know that. In any language, I knew that. And I asked later, what, what was going on? They said, oh, they were debating about the Virgin Mary. And I thought, what are you doing that for? That has nothing to do with the gospel. At this point, they need to know about Christ, and he's the only way to heaven. But there they were having a, an argument in the, uh, in the square, the piazza, over something that is really uh, not the gospel, not, not the issue. And so we really want to know what it is we're supposed to say to people. What is it that we're supposed to say? Well, the good news is the Apostle Paul is going to help us this morning because as Paul speaks about the ministry of reconciliation, he speaks about several elements about the message of reconciliation. He tells us not only have we been commissioned to preach Christ, but he's actually in this passage going to tell us what it is we're supposed to say. And that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look this morning and next week at three elements about the message of reconciliation. That is three important truths that make up the gospel message. We'll look at two this week, one next week. Get this right, and you have told people how to be reconciled to God. And I would encourage you to write this down, because you're, you're not going to remember it. Just write down the major points. Get this wrong or distort the message, and you will mislead people and misrepresent God, and there is nothing worse than that. So let's begin by looking at verse 19. We're going to look at the first element about the message of reconciliation. It's this. It's content. It's content. What is it that, that we actually say? What is the gospel? Paul writes in verse 19, namely, or as the King James says, to wit. You ever wonder what to wit means? It means namely or by clarification. That's what to wit means. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, having just closed verse 18 by stating that God has given us this ministry of reconciliation, Paul now defines it. He explains it. He clarifies it in terms of the content of, the, of this message. That's what it means. Namely, here's what I'm talking about. It's a statement of clarification. And the heart of the message that we proclaim to a lost world is that God has provided a way for mankind to be reconciled to him through the cross, through the death of his son, Jesus Christ. The purpose of Christ's death was to be a substitutionary payment for our sins so that God would, in the words of Paul, verse 19, would not count their trespasses against them. That's the point. That's the point. In other words, God removed the barriers of sin that alienated us from God by placing those sins on Christ and having Christ experience punishment for them. It's what Isaiah 53, 6 says, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What we deserve, the death, the eternal punishment that we deserved, Jesus Christ took. For us, no wonder Paul said the love of Christ compels him. Christ's death removed the one barrier that, that kept us, the one obstacle that, that keeps us from God, and that is our sin, our sin. And this is why Jesus Christ is the only way to God the Father. Uh, you'll meet people who will say, you know, I believe Jesus was a good man. I believe he had a lot of truth to say. But how can you Christians say he is the only way? There are many ways, they'll say, but what they have failed to understand that the one issue that religion can't deal with and only God and Christ can deal with, and that is our sin issue. It is our sin that keeps us from going to heaven. 
Sin must be dealt with. False religion or any kinds of belief system other than the gospel can't do it. That, that's why it's not a matter that, that we just believe in Jesus and because of that we're right. That's not it at all. Only Jesus Christ is qualified to deal with our sin because he is God in human flesh and he paid an eternal price, an eternal punishment for our sin. Religion can't do that. Someone uh, just last week loaned me a couple of books on Roman Catholicism and the uh, sacrament of penance has another name in Roman uh, Catholic uh, theology. It is also called the sacrament of reconciliation. Only it is not about the biblical reconciliation. It can't do it. Only God can deal with our sin and he has done it through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, this is the heart of the gospel, folks. This is what we're about. This is it, because this explains how a perfectly holy God can forgive our sins, restore us to himself and take us to heaven when we die without, watch this, without violating his own holiness and justice. That is the incredible message of the gospel, how God can forgive us, reconcile us without violating his own justice. Sin has alienated us from God, and God's justice demands payment for sin. For God to simply forgive people, as many people think, God God will just forgive. Just forgive because he loves us. That would absolutely violate his holiness and justice. He, he just cannot do that. Though his heart is a heart of love, he can't do that. In fact, just, just last night I caught just a few minutes. Maybe you've seen the, uh, the very popular uh, Bill O'Reilly on the O'Reilly Factor on Fox News. And he had for a few minutes an interview with uh, Jerry Falwell. And I didn't catch all of it, but they were talking about how to go to heaven. And, of course, Dr. Falwell uh, presented the gospel. But then Bill O'Reilly, who is not a believer, uh, said this. He said, well, he said, I've talked to some people immediately you know where he's gone. I've talked to some people and they said that God is all-inclusive. I've talked, he said, in fact, I've talked to Catholic theologians. They say God is all-inclusive and uh, because he is just, we'll all go to heaven. And I I thought right then and there, uh, Jerry Falwell should have said, and I realize when millions of people are watching, you don't always think about what you should say, but he should have said that's the issue. God is just because he's just. We can't go to heaven just like that. God can't do that. He would violate his justice. His justice demands punishment, punishment for sin. Otherwise, God is not God. He cannot and will not just forgive. Now, this is the gospel. He he just can't do it. But in the death of Jesus Christ, the eternal, sinless God-man, God demonstrated both his love and his justice. His love was demonstrated in, in the great truth that Paul tells us about, the love of Christ, is that he, he died for us. That's, that's the great love of God. He actually died for us. That's his love. His love was demonstrated. God provided himself as the one who would pay for our sins so that we would be forgiven. We could be forgiven. We could be restored. But also his justice was satisfied. It wasn't just his love. The cross isn't just about his love. It's about his justice. His holiness is satisfied in that full and complete Payment was made for our sins so that God does not have to count our sins against us because they were already counted against Christ, though he was not a sinner in any way. And this is why we say that at the cross, mercy and justice kissed. They met. They came together. The mercy and justice of God. Romans 3.26 says this, 
that God is just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. In other words, God's justice has been upheld at the cross. The sin has been paid for, and therefore God can justify us, which means declare that we are righteous in his sight. If, as many people claim, there are many ways to heaven, then why, oh why, would Jesus choose to suffer what he suffered just to give us one more option? What was he thinking? No, Jesus is the answer to the most important question there is. How can sinners stand before a just and righteous God? You've been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. I'm glad you tuned in to this series of lessons about reconciliation. If you'd like to know more about Lakeside, call 727-239-0306 or browse online to lakesidechapel.com. Verse by Verse is a listener-supported ministry of Lakeside. Find out more at versebyverseradio.org. We have a large collection of previous broadcasts available there for free streaming or downloading. If you'd like to help fund Verse by Verse, we thank you. There's a link for giving on our website. That's versebyverseradio.org. Or call Lakeside at 727-239-0306. This is Jerry Peterson. My wife and I lived for nine years in a developing country famous for its crime and the corruption of their legal system. We found out that even if someone had clear video surveillance of a burglar caught in the act, the police would be very unlikely to do anything and a judge even less likely. Some people think that God is really a nice guy and he'll let everyone into heaven. But if he did that, how just would he be? Join us for the next Verse by Verse as Pastor Steve explains why God's nature led Jesus to the cross. Encouraging you in Christ. Long before the pain, God was there. Long before the struggle, God was there. Someone want to ask somebody that was going through a trial, this is, where was God when the tragedy happened? The answer was the same place he was when it was all good. Faith Talk 570 and 910 WTBA. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.